one immutable truth that I know is time after time, financial institutions really struggle making good technology purchase decisions. Maybe that's hard for you as well. Let's talk about it. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Innovation Driven Growth Podcast. Here we examine what enables true creativity, how to convert ideas into innovation, and seek out what ignites enterprise-wide growth. I'm your host, entrepreneur, strategist, and muser of metacognition, David Peterson. Here at First National Bankers Bank, we call it FNBB, we're in the final stages of making a decision regarding our primary core accounting system. Now, just like any other financial institution, we need a system to process deposit loan accounts, operate a general ledger for our holding company and numerous subsidiaries, and interact with NetLink, which is our electronic connection for our customer financial institutions. Now, unlike a commercial bank, we don't need the technology to operate retail locations, branches, ATMs, or online mobile banking, and so on. But our decision is not substantively different than what any commercial bank goes through to make a decision. Now, I'm going to talk in this episode primarily about our decisions making technologies. And of course, I'm going to be talking about it in terms of a financial institution. But depending or really regardless of what kind of business you are, a lot of the concepts that I'm going to share in this episode are directly parallel. So just adjust the language from me talking about financial services to your particular business or industry. All right. So what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. Making a decision. Here are essentially what those steps are. First, you do a deep dive into what each department really needs. What feature or function do we need, regardless of whether it exists in our current application? Next, we brainstorm what the future needs might be. For example, how will the advent of newer, faster payment options affect future core accounting needs? Do we need an effort to target younger demographics and so forth? Next, research potential vendors and create a short list of systems that we will evaluate. Next, provide a detailed list to each vendor of the most important core elements of what your organization needs. Next, when you meet with those vendors, whether it's in person or online, this is so important, force them to show you how the specific elements you documented would get executed using their system. I can't tell you how critical this is. Organizations know the specific needs they have, then they get into a demo and the vendor goes through its dog and pony show only showing those things that it's prepared to show. That doesn't necessarily address the specific needs of the organization. It's crazy. Next, calculate the cost of ownership for each system that you're evaluating over whatever fixed period of time and adjust that to, to give you an apples to apples financial comparison. Finally, pick one. You're gonna pick a vendor, you're gonna execute an agreement with sufficient time for you to get up and running on that system before the contract on your current system expires. Now, like I said, I'm talking about this in financial terms, but that list of the way you go about choosing some new uh, system that is integral to your business is not gonna change whether you're a construction company or you're manufacturing, healthcare, you know, whatever. 
that list that I just gave, it's not an exhaustive list. Of course, there's a zillion little details in there. That's just a high-level summary. But for us, we put a small group of FNBB team members uh, that represented all of the key areas that interact with our core. And this group has been working for months and months on this process of evaluating different core vendors. The contract that we'll sign, it will probably be for, I don't know, five years, six years, maybe even seven years. So it's really important for us to get this right. So not long ago, I was looking at my newsfeed and I came across an article. Our friends at Cornerstone are always super good about this. And the title of the article was, It's Dreadful Being a Buyer of Bank Technology. Again, it's just, they, it's just such great writers. Article details frustration many bankers experience while going through the vendor evaluation and selection process. And it really rang true to me as we at FNBB had personally experienced many of the specific pain points that the Cornerstone article really brought to the fore. Now, Steve Williams from Cornerstone was the author of that article, and he outlined the following issues that FIs face when they make tech purchases. Again, you may not be an FI, but think of these things and see if they don't ring true for you. Banking functional requirements are deep and wide. One of the vendors that FNBB looked at was a new cloud-based system, and they touted their flexibility to customize the system in any way you might need, yet it had no general ledger. Uh, of course, they just said, well, hey, you just, just go get a license for any general ledger you want and integrate it. Oh, goody. <laughs> you know, it turns out there are many hundreds, perhaps thousands of standardized options in our current core. You just press a button and it does something. So regardless of the frequency that you might use any particular feature, uh, you know that when you press that button, it performs that necessary task and does it perfectly every time. So cloud systems have to be told what to do. And while it may be fanciful to acquire a new customized system, oh, look at what we can do with this thing. Most FIs lack the design or programming resources to actually make that thing work. Another point from Steve, uh, the FinTech is not standardized in delivery of feature function. Now, FinTech is the financial technology, it's a fancy term for the organizations that provide technology to financial services organizations. Now, in our industry, there are tons of FinTechs touting nice, fancy, new, shiny objects, new stuff. Oh, look at this new stuff. But there are a few standards around in which you can build a comprehensive set of services that have been curated from multiple vendors, each one offering a unique part of the service. Now, at some point, we'll get to this plug-and-play environment, I suppose, but that's certainly not in the near future. Last point, traditional vendors are forced to defend margins. So if you're a bank, you have a system offered by one of the large core vendors, and it's a good bet that that vendor is a publicly traded company. They live and die by quarterly earnings. Therefore, they inherently have less motivation to think about the long term. They're always chasing the next quarter's results. Think about that. Now, I'm paraphrasing things from Steve's article. So if you would like to read the full article, I'll have a link to that in the show notes. You can go check it out. So you have a company or you work for a company and maybe you're going through some type of evaluation of a new system that's important to your business. What should be your approach? Because I work with bankers, uh, I, I can draw on my experience to know that some get so overwhelmed with the magnitude of this decision that they just stay with their current vendor by default. I mean, it, it is really, really hard 
to convert. There's, it's a gazillion things that can go wrong and it's a pain in the butt and whatever. So inertia is so strong just to re-up with your current vendor. If you do a full review and you really go through all the checklists like I did before and, and, and your current vendor is your absolute best choice, well, then you hit the jackpot. Lucky you. But let me quote the great Teddy Roosevelt. In a moment of decision, the best thing you can do is the right decision. The next best thing you can do is the wrong decision. The worst thing you can do is nothing. I agree. Inertia is not a strategy. We should carefully examine all the relevant data and make an informed decision. So what are the elements that would go into our decision? So now I'm going to pull some other pieces from that Cornerstone article and add my own color to it. One, set realistic expectations. There's a lot of new technology coming out. Some of it's not ready for prime time. So you have to be realistic about how mature new systems can and will be. Steve in the article says it this way, vendors can be part of the transformation, but transformation cannot simply be purchased. Kudos. Great job, Steve. Next, prioritize proven integrations and ease of configuration. Just because a vendor says something can be interface doesn't mean that it's a standardized or easy process. You must exercise extreme due diligence to verify all the integration issues you might face um, so that you're entering in the relationship with, quote, eyes wide open, end quote. Next, beef up your internal IT capabilities. Maybe you're just a small organization and you don't have the type of money that larger institutions spend on IT and all of the other related elements. Fine. Work with vendors that provide outsourced IT services. Form a collaborative effort with other institutions with whom you have a good relationship and share IT resources. Having your own IT resource that can pierce through the marketing jumble and identify feature and function that advances your goals is critical. You can have your own, you can share with others, you can outsource, but don't do without. Next, tie fintech spend to expected outcomes. Let me say that again. Tie your spend to expected outcomes. You're not just buying feature function, you're buying something for a purpose to achieve a particular end. Now, this might be, you know, financial focused here, but I think a better idea might be as I talk about the virtual branch. And I've done some other podcasts about how banks show the virtual branch, those that don't come into their physical branches on their general ledger. How many customers are using online and mobile banking as their primary access to the institution? How many total customers is that? That yields a current percentage of the virtual branch to total customers. How many are online, virtually, mostly, how many total customers that you have. If you feel that number should be higher, then the technology you must acquire that, that you need to deploy to achieve that goal is critical. This is not a game where we're just buying technology for technology's sake. Strategize about what the outcomes you want. So let me translate. If you want more mobile users, then you better invest in a better mobile platform, period. Now, create a way to monitor the tech roadmap each quarter. In other words, don't just buy it and forget it. You need to continually monitor what they're doing, what's coming out next, and so on and so forth. Now, my best advice here is to take all of the 
issues that you feel should be tracked and then assign it to different officers of your organization. So Sally is focusing on cryptocurrency and Bill is thinking about mobile banking. Henry's tracking banking as a service, so on and so forth. However, that would be appropriate for your business. Now, every quarter, you have each one of those individuals give a brief update about what's going on in their assigned area. And you discuss as a group how those changes align with your tech strategic plan. In other words, take the different people in your organization, even the quote non-technical ones, and assign them a piece and just let them sniff out the web and research on that piece. And then as you bring it all together, you can see the big picture. Let me state that just because many of the newer technologies are not fully baked or standardized is not a reason for you to avoid them. You should check them out. If there's something new and great in your industry and it's like the cutting edge, the bleeding edge, okay, check it out. Go, go take a look at it. You might find that it's ready for prime time. But even if it's not, you will be aware of what it offers. And you know there might be a point in time some years in the future that you would be more likely to potentially be a customer, right? Because you're sort of now following them. You're tracking them. Similarly, just because your uh, core is an established vendor that's been around for decades doesn't mean that they're not innovating. In our industry, Fiserv, big, huge uh, fintech company, bought Finzac, which is a cloud-based core system. And another, Jack Henry, again, large, you know, big fintech uh, company, recently announced they were going to devote significant future development resources converting their flagship system called Silverlake into a cloud-based core system options. Okay, so they're they're innovating. These developments and many more like it are signs that the financial fintechs, new and old, are working towards enabling the technologies that us as community banks will need to effectively compete for years in the future. Now, one last point. One of the biggest challenges that bankers face in doing a comprehensive job of evaluating major technology decisions is that you have a job. <laughs> you have duties. And that may limit your ability to fully focus on all of these elements of technology evaluation. You're time challenged. And so you got to add this into the mix of everything you do every day. So you might think it's prudent then to employ a consultant to head up the technology evaluation process. In other words, bring in additional resources that can help you sort all of this out. Now, there's tons of organizations that do this, but I'm just going to give a shout out to the one that we used at FNBB, it's a company called Profit Resources based in Monroe, Georgia. The consultant working with us is a gentleman by the name of Mike Neal. Mike has been instrumental in managing the process, understanding our requirements, interfacing with the vendors. Incredible just to think about how much time is in communication with vendors, and Mike took all of that off our plate. Also, a detailed analysis of all the vendors that we looked at, including a true apples to apples cost of ownership and financial analysis. We all participated in the presentations, but Mike spread it all out and put it in a format to help us make an informed decision. Now, we paid them a fee, but they, they well earned their fee with a diligent effort that assisted us in making that a sound technology decision. So if you're a banker, you might want to check into uh, Profit Resources. I'll put their contact and uh, info in the show notes. But for all of you out there thinking about your upcoming technology decision, can you can you break this down into the steps that I've outlined and think through what kinds of outcomes that you want? What's it going to be important, not for the customer you have today, but the customer that you want, not the company that you are today, 
but the company that you need to be in five years or eight years. And then you go find the services, go find the company, go find those that have tried and true products, but also have a vision for the future and then acquire and intelligently use those services and make your decision. Put all your efforts into getting a successful conversion and don't look back. Don't, ah, coulda, shoulda, woulda. Move forward and make full advantage of the new technology that you have. Thanks for listening. Thanks again for investing your valuable time listening to the Innovation Driven Growth Podcast. I covet your questions, comments, or critique. You can reach me at david at davidpeterson.com. I'm also on Facebook at DP Speaks and everywhere else on social media at DLP Speaks. I look forward to hearing from you and be sure to look for a new episode soon.